0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. When it comes to believer's baptism, when should that occur? Immediately after salvation, or should we wait a while to see how committed that person is? Let's think about that today on Grace in Focus. Thank you for tuning in. This is the radio and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. If you want to know more about the Grace Evangelical Society, find us at our website, faithalone.org. Be sure and find our daily blogs there, and also find information about our national conference coming in May. That is faithalone.org. Now with today's question and answer discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates.
1: We have
0: another question from Rick.
1: Rick is dealing with the issue of baptism, and sometimes when we get questions, there's overlaps, but I don't remember us ever discussing this particular issue.
2: The way he's asking it is a little bit different, I think, than anything we've heard.
1: Right. Basically, if I could reword what he says, when we talk about Christian baptism, his question is, is baptism something that happens that all people believers should do, or is it something that only a believer who says, now I'm going to follow the Lord? So it's a sign of discipleship, or I've counted the cost of following Christ now that I believe and have eternal life, and now the baptism is a sign not of my justification, not that I believed in Jesus for eternal life, but of my decision to be a disciple.
2: Yeah, I think the way Rick puts it is, do we baptize people who have justifying faith or do we baptize people who have sanctifying faith? Right. And that's a little unclear, but I think he means what you just said. I think you're right. In fact, I have a pastor friend who won't baptize anyone unless they indicate that they have decided to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. And I get that because in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you can
1: look at that verse as them. the first step in being a disciple.
2: And I agree know? with that. Right. However, we don't find in the New Testament that people are told to wait to be baptized. I want you to think about the cost of discipleship, and then maybe in a month or two, we'll baptize you.
1: I mean, yeah, you look at the examples, I mean, the Ethiopian eunuch. You He's know,
2: baptized right there right. on his way back to whether it was Ethiopia or North Africa. We're not sure if Ethiopia refers to actually the literal country of Ethiopia or to somewhere in North Africa. But in any case, this man is baptized immediately. Same thing with the Samaritans when Philip the Evangelist goes in Acts chapter 8.
1: And certainly in Acts 10 with Cornelius' household, there's a group of people there, and they're baptized right away. I would find it very hard (laughs) to believe that everyone in that room said, I've counted the cost now. They wouldn't have known.
2: No, and not only that, Peter says, who can forbid water for these to be baptized who have received the Spirit just as we have? It was a privilege to be baptized. Now, it was also, of course, a public identification with Christ. And if you were from, let's say, a Jewish background, there would be a cost to be paid. You might be ostracized. You might have other difficulties. But the truth is, it seems to me, in answer to Rick's question, that we baptize believers— So if someone is a believer, we tell them that Jesus wants people to be baptized, and we can even tell them this is a first step in following Christ. It's a small step of obedience, but it is a step of obedience. Would you like to be baptized? And if they say yes, we go ahead and baptize them. If they say no, we try to give them further instruction on why they would want to do this. But the point is baptism is not because a person has committed themselves to follow Christ the rest of their lives.
1: I remember some time ago reading something that Al Moler said about this and he was the ta-
2: president at uh, Southern, Southern Seminary, Seminary right. Southern Baptist Seminary. He
1: suggested, I can't remember if he said we should all do this, but he certainly suggested it that if a person is a homosexual who believes. Yeah. We should hold off baptizing them until we see if they renounce that. And that's related to this question here. Oh, this right? came
2: up. Uh, somebody, I think it, it may have been one of these popular preachers, said he would baptize a transgender person.
1: He would or wouldn't?
2: Would. And we were, I think we had a recent show we talked about that, and, and I would too. Mm-hmm. And not because transgender is right, it's wrong. Not because right. homosexual is right, it's wrong. But the only condition to be born again is believing in Jesus, and we baptize believers. We don't baptize those who are mature in the faith. Right. We don't wait until they've been a believer for two or three years so that they're what Paul calls a spiritual person, a spiritual believer, 1 Corinthians two, fourteen to 16. We baptize babes in Christ. And if
1: we were to take the position that we only baptize dedicated disciples, how do we measure that?
2: Well, there's a real problem there, I think. And two, it seems to me we run the risk of people thinking that in order to be born again, they've got to do more than believe. Mm -hmm. It seems to me what we should be saying by this baptism is this is a brother or sister in Christ, regardless of flaws they have in their life. And we all do, right? I mean, oh, yeah, maybe some of us aren't alcoholics or homosexuals or transgender or sleeping around. But the truth is, we all are with lots of things that are not pleasing to God, and God begins to work on us. Remember Munger's book, Christ's Heart, My Home? Mm. He talked about how as Christ reveals different rooms in our life, then we give those up to his lordship. Of course, that's not a lordship salvation view. They're saying, no, no, you need to count the cost just to be born again, right? Right. But in any regard, yeah, I like the question, and I would say we baptize anyone who professes their faith in Christ and is willing to be baptized, and it's an encouragement to all of us because we see other people who are being baptized.
0: It's coming. It'll be here before you know it. What am I talking about? The Grace Evangelical Society's National Conference 2024. It will take place May the 20th through the 23rd at Camp Copus, an absolutely beautiful campground in North Texas, right on the lake with lots of recreation, great food, a great place to stay, wonderful fellowship, and wonderful free grace Bible teaching. Information and online registration now at faithalone.org events. Come and join us faithalone.org slash events.
1: And to pick up on how would we measure that, to use Moller's thing, well, I, I wouldn't baptize a person who is obviously a homosexual or a professed homosexual until I see that he's going to give it up. Well, in today's society with the proliferation of pornography, would we do that for a heterosexual as well? You know, like every heterosexual who comes to faith, probably a very high percentage of them, are involved in pornography. So do we wait two years to see if they give that up you yeah. know, before we baptize them? And, and do you have to confront them on that? Right. I'm not sure how this would work. Right.
2: I have an example related to that. I went to the Shepherds Conference. I think it was 2001. It's uh, out at Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's conference. I remember hearing one of the youth pastors there talking about baptism, he was asked about baptizing children, and he said, our practice here at Grace Community Church is we don't baptize children. We feel they should at least be teenagers so that they're old enough to know that they have genuine faith. Genuine faith. Yeah. That they are truly following Christ, that they demonstrate the fruit of a genuine believer. And so he gave his own two children an example. He said, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she's been baptized, and she's just a a beautiful Christian girl, and she's very godly, and I had no problem baptizing her. But I have a 14-year-old son, and I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in his life. I don't see the kind of evidence that I see in my daughter's life. So he hasn't been baptized yet, even though he'd like to be baptized. And I'm holding off on that until he gives sufficient evidence. And I'm thinking, if I was the son in that family, I think I might be a little discouraged. What do you think?
1: <laughs> I'm listening to that story, and I'm like, well, maybe it has something to do with the guy's 14-year-old. He's a boy. you know. Yeah. Maybe he's rambunctious. Or, right. or Obviously, I don't know the situation, but—
2: I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, and sophomore comes from the Greek words sophos and moros, meaning wise fool, right? And I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, and I did something stupid, and the teacher said, you know, you're pretty immature. And I thought, well, I'm a sophomore in high school, what do you expect? I mean, I'm thinking this is the mark of immaturity is to be a sophomore in high school, but... In any regard,
1: well, how many times, even when we get older, when people say that was sophomoric humor, right. you know, even even when we get older, I mean, if we're going to be judged by that standard, I remember one time I was a chaplain and I was teaching an ethics class, and I told him a real life story of of something that I did was really stupid, yeah, and two guys came up to me, two lieutenants come up afterwards and says, and they were dead serious, they said, sir, we don't think you're a Christian. <laughs>
2: They said that? Yeah, they did.
1: And they were serious. Oh, they were dead serious. Yeah, they were very concerned for my soul. And at that time I was in my forties telling a story of fifteen years earlier. But if we're gonna go by the standard of that, we're not gonna baptize people until <laughs> until they clean up their lives, those two guys would not have baptized me. The answer to this question, is baptism a symbol of justifying faith or sanctifying faith? The answer would be it's justifying faith. Right. Once you've
2: believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're qualified to be baptized, period. End of story. You don't need to jump through certain hoops to qualify, right? Right.
1: Like the Philippian jailer and his household.
2: Yeah, immediately
1: they're baptized after they— come to faith. And you think about, I'm assuming this Philippian jailer is is living in this thoroughly pagan society. I mean, how much did he understand about taking up your cross and following Christ in discipleship? If that was going to be what was required, not only of him, but now my understanding of his household might've include any slaves he had in there, but as children and, and everything. Did they all understand okay, that. Okay,
2: here's a good point. I heard uh, years ago at the uh, Urban Alternative Conference that Dr. Tony Evans puts on, I heard uh, Zane Hodges give, I think it was a three-hour discussion of Acts. He was coming through, and he got to Acts 16, and he said, we see two people come to faith in Acts 16. One's a woman, and she's a God-fearing woman who's at the place of prayer, and she's seeking God. The other is a man. He's a pagan man. He's not a God-fearer. He doesn't go to the temple. He's not seeking God. In fact, he's about to kill himself when Paul says, Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. No one has escaped. And the man runs and says to Paul, What must I do to be saved? And at that point, Paul preaches Christ to him and to his household. And he and his household come to faith and they're born again. And Hodge's point is... Luke picked these two on purpose, these two examples. One seeking God, one a God fearing Gentile woman, the other not seeking God, a Gentile who was not God fearing, but basically instantly became God fearing with those weird circumstances. But he didn't know anything about following Christ, whereas This woman who had been taught the Old Testament would have known about following Messiah.
1: Well, what Bob and I are both saying is that baptism is a sign of justifying faith due to the grace of God. And therefore, remember, keep keep grace grace in focus.
0: focus. We invite you to check out our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday five-minute YouTube videos at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. You will love the content and learn a lot. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. On the next episode, are there some detrimental effects to eternal rewards? We will talk about it. Hope you will join us. Until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.